I'll begin this morning by referencing my car. For many years I've begun to regard my car as a prayer closet. I have, I have had some of my uh, most memorable experiences with the Lord, personal experiences with the Lord, while in my car. Sometimes sitting in my car, sometimes driving in my car. I've come to see that it's not really the car car is not the thing. It's just that the car oftentimes can be a very convenient prayer closet. It's a place where you're by yourself and yet you're not alone. You're with the Lord, is with you. While you're in your car, by yourself, you're with Him. And during those times where you have quietness, as your mind and your heart turns to Him, oftentimes there can be a visitation, a most wonderful visitation. My mother was the, was the same way. And I recall that she became very attached to her car. Never quite could figure out why she was so attached to her automobile. She would, uh, she would not want to part with one. She spoke about her car in the most endearing terms. But it was obvious the reason. The reason was that while she was in her car, she could sing, she could pray out loud. She could have a meeting with the Lord. And he often came and visited her very closely while she was in her car. And so I had this experience recently while driving in my car. And I was processing some things that were deep things, heavy things, difficult matters to process. Some of these processes were involved uh, events, local, local events, circumstances, and situations. And uh, while I was driving, I began to be aware of some things and they began to appear and open up very, very powerfully. And I found myself saying, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. Because there were things occurring in the earth 
And those things ought not to occur. They should not occur. They must not occur. They're wrong. They are forbidden as far as the will of God is concerned, and yet they are occurring. And it seems oftentimes as if individuals are sitting and standing around and are impotent and unable to do anything to change events. Oftentimes we try to change things and we're not able to change them. And we do good things and employ righteous principles. And yet conditions and circumstances do not yield. And while I was driving very recently in my car, what visited me was such a authority, very powerful sense of the authority of the Lord God and that the earth belongs to him. And I would re- and found myself repeatedly saying this out loud, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means everything in it belongs to him. And this has a local application which is ongoing, but this morning I am directed to talk about this in a way that is not restricted to local application. I found that it's very important for us to confess this truth, not only to hear it, not only to read it, not only to listen to this presentation on it this morning, but to confess it and confess it out loud. And after having confessed it out loud, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everything belongs to him. He is Lord and master of it all. Don't give any room to the adversary to own anything in this earth. I found myself in this moment of visitation, realizing that we make a great mistake, a great, great mistake, even good Bible teaching and excellent Bible teachers often, I believe, yield inappropriately to this idea that something, that Satan has some rights and he has rights to certain things. I say he has no rights to these things. I say that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And the rights that he has are the rights that ignorance provides to him. So let's not be ignorant on these things. So we need to confess this and we need to walk in it. We need to live in it day by day. I read several passages of scripture beginning in Exodus chapter 9. Then I'm going to read a passage in Psalm 24 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10. After that, I'll return to Exodus chapter 9, and the body of our presentation this morning will be from that passage. Exodus chapter 9 and verse 29, And Moses said unto him, that is unto Pharaoh, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord. And the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail. But thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. Psalm 24, Psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. This was not lost on the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He writes, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. A couple of verses later, in verse 28. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, Eat not for his sake that showed it, 
and for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We turn to Exodus chapter 9. I'm inviting you to open your Bible. Get your Bible. Have your Bible right in front of you. We're going to read these verses beginning in that chapter 9 of Exodus, starting at verse 13, and we'll read through several verses. And we'll comment on them as we proceed. And there are wonderful teaching principles here. The Spirit of God will talk to us about these and how to apply these never-ending, never-changing principles in our circumstances right now. Some of us, and some of you, some of us are experiencing circumstances that need to change. They need to change. And sometimes we think they won't change. Are we, we, uh, we say, but people won't change their minds, or people won't cooperate with this, or we have all these things that we say. But there's something that is more powerful than circumstances that refuse to yield. And that is the will of God as he applies his will to a location that belongs to him, that is his, that he has made and that he maintains. And that the atonement of Jesus Christ has made forever ours as we walk in his will. Verse 13. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thy heart, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I will stretch out my hand, that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And in very deed for this cause I have raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. This is the will of God, that his name would be manifested and declared in all the the earth. His name, his magnificence. His word, his will, his ways would be manifested into all the earth. And even for that reason, he would raise up a man like Pharaoh who was obstinate and by his own choices hardened his heart. And God hardened his heart because of the reaction to his will by Pharaoh. Now there are reasons for enemies of the Lord in the earth. But the purpose of an enemy of the Lord in the earth is not that the enemy would prevail, not that the enemy would succeed, but that the works of the enemy would be observed and seen and known, and that God's name would be manifested and magnified in that circumstance, in that situation. For this reason, Pharaoh was raised up, that the name of Jehovah God could be declared throughout all the earth. And we are reading about the name of the Lord now, this morning, because of Pharaoh's uh, stubbornness and hardness of heart. Let's hasten to say, Pharaoh did not have the last word. 
Pharaoh's decisions were not the final decisions. Pharaoh's will was not the final will that was manifested in the circumstance. In verse 17, As yet exaltest thou thyself against my people, that thou wilt not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain, a very grievous rain, a very grievous hail, such as has not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, even until now. Send therefore now and gather your cattle and all that you have in the field. For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them and they shall die. Now there is an opportunity that is being given to avoid the deadly consequences of the pestilence that is about to come. And he that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. The shelters that they were able to bring their cattle into were preserved. Because the word of the Lord said that if you bring your cattle into these shelters, they will be protected from the hail. But if you do not obey the word of the Lord and you leave your servants and your cattle in the field, they will all die in the field. But if you bring them into the shelters, they will live. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth your hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven. And the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail, and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was not anything like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. This was not an ordinary hailstorm. This was extraordinary hail, such as no one had ever seen before, mingled with fire. And it was poured out upon the fields, but not upon the place of shelter where God said, if you take your cattle there, they will be safe. We need to spend a little time at this point in verse 23. Verse 22 actually says, The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth your hand toward heaven. There was something that Moses was required to do. And as a consequence of that, then the Lord would do those things that only he could do. But all the way through scripture we find there is this wonderful collaboration, cooperation between heaven and earth. There must be individuals in the earth who cooperate with the will of God with regard to the earth. Are we, are we those people? Am I one of those individuals who is able to cooperate with God and at his bidding and at his command 
respond to his command in such a way that God then does what only God can do, which brings about transformation and change in the earth. The Lord said to Moses, stretch forth your hand toward heaven. Now when Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, we find in verse 23 that Moses had something in his hand. There was something in addition to his hand, but in his hand he had his rod, the rod of Moses. And if we were to go back to chapter 4 of Exodus, we would read the account and remember the account of God's visitation initially with Moses and calling Moses and equipping Moses and sending him into Egypt. And Moses was basically saying, they won't listen to me. They, If I go and I tell them the Lord has sent me, but they won't necessarily regard it and believe that I have been sent to them. And I don't feel adequate. I don't feel as if I'm able to influence. I have no influence with them. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that you would like to do certain things, even the sense of calling of the Lord to do certain things, but you question your influence, you question that you may do those things, but nothing would result. And so you basically say, I don't think I have the influence, Lord. I don't think I have the influence. And this is what Moses is saying. Now, the Lord's response to Moses in that moment was to ask Moses the question. The question was, what do you have in your hand? What is that in your hand? And Moses said, it's the rod, the rod. And the Lord said to Moses, uh, throw it down on the ground. Um, part with it. Take that which is yours, which you've always had which is uh, an implement that you use in your vocation and part with it. Part with it by throwing it down on the ground. Now what we're about to talk about is, is absolutely essential to Moses' success later on in his ministry and this is essential, this principle is essential for you and me to be successful in the earth right now today there is something that we have now it's not that we would take things and start throwing them down on the ground it must be those things that the Lord has called us to throw down to part with something ordinary something that we have and the Lord says part with it throw it down now when Moses threw his rod down on the ground it turned into a serpent. Now, this is the same word that is used in Genesis chapter 3, referring to the serpent and the temptation of Adam and Eve in the garden, a serpent. And the rod turned into a serpent, and when it turned into a serpent, it was very dangerous, and Moses knew how dangerous it was, how repulsive and repugnant it was. And he became afraid of it. And he turned to run from it. He turned to run from that which had been previously his own, which he carried with him all the time. 
But when he was commanded of the Lord to throw it down, to part with it, it changed into something that he was afraid of. It changed into something that he was afraid of and so fearful of that he began to run from it. And the Lord said to him, essentially don't run from it. On the contrary, approach it. Now I'm asking because I believe that we're all being called this morning to identify spiritually with the principles here. There needs to be changes in the earth. There needs to be changes in the earth according to the will of God because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to Him. And this world is corrupted and there are things that are taking place that must cease, must stop, must not occur. You have them happening around you. We have them happening around us. I have them happening in fairly close proximity to me. What I experienced in my car was a sense of authority with regard to these matters that I say is awesome authority. And it's not my authority. It's the authority of the Lord God. And it's not that these things must cease because I don't like them. It's not that certain things must cease because they offend me. It's not the point of offending me. They must cease because they offend God. They're offensive to God. And they must cease. And He has the authority to enforce His will in the earth. And we have the right and obligation to agree with His will in the earth. And to do everything that He calls us to do to be in a place where we may cooperate with him. And so if he says to you what is in your hand. And if he calls you to part with something that you have. And to throw it from you. If it changes in such a way that you become afraid of it. You become fearful of it. And he tells you not to run from it. Don't try to escape from this. But on the contrary. Approach that which you are now afraid of. Approach it, not only approach it, but pick it up. He told Moses to pick it up by the tail. And Moses obeyed the Lord. Oh, this is the thing about Moses. Moses obeyed the Lord in the final analysis. Moses had his questions. Moses had his doubts. Moses had his concerns. Moses did not feel adequate to the task. But Moses was was obedient to the Lord. And Moses reached and picked it up by the tail. And we remember how it returned to a rod. Now there were other things involving his hand, placing his hand into his garment. And it became taking it out. And it was leprous and putting his hand back in to his garment, removing it again. And it was clean. And they were these two signs that he was told to use to authenticate his calling from God and to show those who may doubt that he was actually called of the Lord and that he was called of the Lord to bring about change in the earth. And those who doubted it would see these signs and hopefully come to believe. And if they refused to believe those two signs, then he was to take 
water from the Nile and pour it upon the earth, and the water would turn to blood on the earth. But I want to focus mostly right now, this morning, on the first sign, which is the rod of Moses that he carried in his hand. And so with all this history of all this, of, of the rod, Moses then went out and he stretched forth the rod toward heaven. And when he did that, the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran along the ground. And the Lord rained hail mixed with fire upon the land of Egypt like never had been seen before. But then in verse 26, and this is very, very instructive for us in terms of the period of time that we have entered. And as we proceed into the future, this verse 26 brings out to us a principle that we need to know and understand. Verse 26 It says, only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. There was no hail in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were. And so we see that God can pour out judgment, a harsh judgment. God can pour out a judgment such as the earth has never seen before. And that harsh judgment that the earth has never seen before can be so devastating so destructive that nothing can survive it. No tree can stand. No human being can stand and no animal can stand. And yet simultaneous with that manifestation of the harsh judgment of God, there can be a most marvelous protection at the same time for God's own people. His people can be protected while he pours out judgment upon those who refuse to obey his commands. God's people are not appointed unto wrath. And we have used that passage of scripture in various ways with regards to end time events over the years. But I want to say this principle very clearly pointed out in verse 26 is that both can occur simultaneously. There can be a judgment poured out by God and those who are refusing his rule over them can receive this judgment and a kind of judgment that the world has never seen before in terms of its degree of destruction. And yet simultaneously, the Lord's people can be in a place of protection, absolutely perfectly safe. I say it's time to lay hold of that principle and apply it to your life and apply it to your family and apply it to your your circumstances. But remember this, we need to walk very closely with the Lord in perfect agreement with his will in order for this protection to be ours. Verse 27, And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. And we may read this and say, Oh, Wonderful, wonderful, finally, Pharaoh was repenting. Well, it sounds as if he's repenting. He said, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. This is all true. This is true. And Pharaoh is saying this. But remember the circumstances that are occurring. 
And these circumstances are continuing to occur while Pharaoh is saying this. The hail is still falling, mixed with fire on the fields. There is dead livestock all over the fields of Egypt. And those who were their keepers are dead, lying with them in the fields. And given this moment, Pharaoh is repenting, it would appear. He's confessing. Someone has said many years ago that there's no virtue in kneeling when it's impossible to stand. And if you think about that, no virtue in kneeling when it's impossible to stand. In other words, when a person kneels and is absolutely forced to kneel, there's no choice except to kneel, then there's no virtue. There's no virtue where there is no choice. Virtue involves the choice, a right choice, when there is an opportunity to make a wrong choice. That's very important to remember. When we come to a period of time where in when judgments are poured out on the earth and people begin to cooperate on the outside, externally, and begin to appear to confess and repent and to speak the truth about themselves and God. But there's no virtue in that. There's nothing, there's no saving ingredient in that if it's impossible to do anything except to do that. Very, very important to remember. Pharaoh was in a set of circumstances where it was not possible for him to do otherwise. And so he said, I have sinned this time and the Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord, for it is enough, he said, that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail and I will let you go. I will do that which the Lord has told me to do. I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. We know he didn't really mean this. But this is what he said when he was forced to. And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord. Remember with a rod in his hands. And the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how the Lord's, how the earth is the Lord's. That thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. The earth belongs to the Lord, and everything in it belongs to Him. Psalm 24 and verse 1, Psalm of David. Again we read, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, all belong to Him. And as I come to a conclusion, briefly sharing a few thoughts on this passage of Scripture this morning. I want to give maybe four or five conclusions. Number one is to know this. Know this. Know this. Know these truths and this truth. Know this. We must familiarize ourselves with this, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to Him. And stop saying and speaking words that would indicate otherwise. Now to know this, we use the word as uh, the scripture uses, to know something. means to become intimately acquainted with it in the most intimate of ways. 
And we must be acquainted with this truth in the most intimate kind of relationship with it. Second point is this question of who am I? Who am I? Who am I to speak to these matters? Who am I to address these matters? Who am I to speak concerning events that are happening, even right around you in your life and in your circumstances? And you see these events that are occurring and you know that they're absolutely wrong. And it's time for for the Spirit of the Lord to rise up within us all and refuse those things. So what do you mean refuse those things? Who am I to refuse those things? Well, this brings us back a little bit again to Moses in the beginning and his question about, well, who am I to do this? And again, God said, what is that in your hand? Throw it down. He took the rod that was in his hand and threw it down and became a serpent. Again, he ran from it. And the Lord said, pick it up again. Now, there will be a version of this that will happen in your life. Perhaps it already has. And if it hasn't happened already, it should. It's intended to occur. There is something that you have in your possession that you need to part with at the command of the Lord. Not not at the command of somebody else, but at the command of the Lord. You say, how do, how do I know that? You will know it because he will show it to you. You ask him and he will show it to you. That's how you know it. And if you don't know it, it's because he hasn't shown it to you. And if you would like to know it and he hasn't shown it to you, then ask him to show it. And he will. He'll show it to you. And when you part with it and throw it down, it will undergo a kind of change. And you'll see it in a different way than the way you have observed it before. The way in which you will see it now is a way in which will cause you alarm. And you'll not want to pick it up. You'll want to run from it. Because it will appear to you to be most fearful. And the reason it will appear to you to be more most fearful is because the Lord has transformed it so that it will appear fearful to you. But the Lord not, does not intend you to run from it. He intends you to go and pick it up. And when you pick it up, then it will change its form again and lose its fearfulness, lose its ferocity. But you will always remember the power and the manifestation of the Lord in that which you carry now in your hand. And you'll see that which you now carry within you, that you have, you'll see that as as an indication, a symbol, if you like, of the authority of God, the manifestation of his mighty power, and that he has given that to you for a reason. And he has given that to you so that you could manifest in the earth that which is true about him. That you could use that at his command now as you go forward. Whenever he calls you to, you raise that before him. You raise that to heaven because he's called you to do that. And you raise that to heaven 
you cooperate with him and he manifests his authority into the earth. The fourth thing is that this will become, this will, this will instill confidence in you. This will instill faith and confidence in you. And you will find yourself praying now, number five, you'll find yourself praying in a new way, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Father, my Father in heaven, and you'll find yourself saying, may your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. And so what we need going forward, perhaps more than almost anything else, in terms of some of the circumstances that are going to be faced going forward, and some of these circumstances will be very threatening and dangerous. We need to know how to cooperate with the Lord, and how to take that those things or that thing that he has given us that he invites us to raise before him at his, at his request, at his command in full and complete confidence that he will manifest his name in the earth and that he will manifest his name in the earth so that his will would be performed in the earth as Jesus commanded us to pray that the Father's will would be done here on earth as it is done in heaven and that these changes in the earth will be in accord with the will of God as was the true of Moses and the Exodus where God's will triumphed and was manifested over and above all the will of Pharaoh and the hosts of Egypt we need a manifestation of the will of God in circumstances and situations around us now. Some of these things must not continue because they're happening in the world and in the earth, but the earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it belongs to him. <laughs>